Hi, Chris Ballatin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> no, I, I understand that you think you have control over your life. I'm just not sure you do. Like, I think that one of the things that happened to me in COVID that I think is good is that, like, okay, I'm, I'm a prophet by call, right? So it's kind of one of my jobs is to kind of look at the future. <laughs> I realize I've not been perfect at it, so I understand. You don't have to say it, I, under, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, that's like one of my jobs on the team. There's other prophets too, you know. We saw Haley and Ben, and, and I, I would dishonor them if I started naming them, but there's several on our team, so I'm not the only one. But, I mean, like, it's part of my job, like, Hey, this is the future. Here we're going, you know. And, and what I learned about COVID is that, like, I didn't know where we're going. And I've, I heard the Lord say to me that you have found a lot of security in thinking you know what's going to happen tomorrow. And this is about you finding security in me, not in your future. And I, I think our whole team shifted really well like we started encouraging each other like okay we don't know where we're going but we know who we're with like Abraham and Sarah I think uh Haley must, must, might have mentioned them today but when Abraham the first word Abraham ever got was not where he was going but where he couldn't stay leave your father's house leave the Chaldeans to a place I will show you if you would have met him a month after he heard from the Lord say where are you going he would have said I have no idea why did you leave I know I can't stay. That, that's been our life at times. Like, I don't know where we're going. I just know we can't stay. And I know who we're with, right? So, but I, I, uh, I had this dream the other night. And what I've been doing lately is going, Lord, is take everything I do and everything I have. And Kathy and I had this, I won't tell you about the conversation. It was an intimate conversation we had on, on, the, on the 29th. We went to dinner or 30th, we went to dinner and we had this intimate conversation about our destiny, about our life, where we're going. And we exchanged ideas and we shared. And, and I, I made this statement. I said, open-handed, I'm open-handed. This is, I'm open-handed, whatever. That's where I am. I've, I've got this place for whatever. And she's like, okay. I said, that's where I am, I'm open-handed. And that night, the next morning, I had a dream. And in the dream, there was a bird in my hand. By the way, I didn't tell Kathy this part. I'll tell you why it matters in a minute. It was a cardinal. And I said, go. 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 And finally, I'm like, go. And it flew around, and it came back. And then I heard, you can't give away what I gave you. This is not yours to give away. This is not yours. You are a steward of what's mine, and you were stewarded until I tell you you're done. And he said to me, I gave you a race to run and a fight to finish, and you haven't finished either. So stop telling me what you'll do. I'll tell you what you'll do. And when I say you're done, you're done. Take the bird and go. Okay. 
And I woke Kathy up at five in the morning. And I told her I had this dream. And the Lord showed me the almond branch of Aaron. And he said, it was Aaron's rod. They put all these, you know the story? They had these almond branches and they had all these leaders and they're trying to figure out who's anointed. And, and uh, Moses goes, well, all, bring, everybody bring almond branches, write your name on them. They all write their name on their dead almond branches and they put them in the Ark of the Covenant, presence of the Lord. And the next morning, Aaron's branch budded, sprouted and had ripe almonds. And Mo goes, whose name's on that? And the Lord's like, I did that. I will decide who's anointed. I will decide when your race is finished. And, I, and I, that night, that morning at five, I had this thought, the one I already shared with you. I'm not sure I'm in control of my future. Like I felt like I was in control until I go, bird, go. And God's like, no, bird, stay. <laughs> I'm like, bird's pooping on my hand. Lord, the Lord's like, get over it, you know? It's part of your call. I'm not sure you have as much autonomy as you think you do. I think you think you have autonomy because you have, you know, because like like you're, you're more like on a rubber band than a chain. So it feels like, whoa, I'm over here. Look at this, I'm free. Then all of a sudden, you know, you get too far out there and you're like, snap back. I thought I was free. I'm not sure you have as much free will as you think you do. Some of you who have churches, you're like, I'm going to quit. And I'm like, good luck. That bird ain't leaving. It's just going to poop on your shoulder. I want to be out of the ministry. I'm so stressed. Good luck. You leave, that bird's going to go with you. <laughs> yeah, that's actually my story. That's, that's my message. Jeremiah 1, 4, I know you know this. Now the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah's writing, and saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have anointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Then I said, alas, God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, if I have appointed you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, and to build and plant. You, you know, something else comes to me. You know when you're ready, when you don't think you are. Like, I was thinking about Moses, and he's got this plan to free the people of God. Remember this as a kid? He's 40 years old. He tries to free the Are you guys with me at all? He tries to free the people of God. And, his, you know, remember, he kills the Egyptian, and then he tries to get his brothers to get along, and there he ends up in the wilderness. And then 40 years later, he talks to a bush. Not George. And the bush says to him, I've heard the cry of my people, you know the story. And I send you. And Moses is like, two, he has two questions. Who are you and who am I? And the Lord's like, I am who I am. 
He's like, you had a last name? <laughs> like, when I go to Pharaoh, who should I say sent me? I am. <laughs> and? I am that I am. Oh, yeah, clears it up. <laughs> you ever read the Bible? Like, people are like, God would never do that. I'm like, have you ever read the Bible? <laughs> we got Jeremiah, this guy, Jeremiah, this same guy. He has to cook his food over crap. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And God's like, rip all your clothes off and sleep on your side. How long? Three and a half years. I'm like, Lord, I want to be a mechanic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And God says to Moses, okay, I send you. And, and Moses said, I don't speak well. I'm not good at this. And God goes, now you're ready. Do you, do you, know, you know where I'm going? I'm like, you may be thinking, like, I'm not good at this. You know, I don't know why God calls me. I don't speak well. I'm not good at it. And God's like, yeah, when you were good at it, you sucked. <laughs> now you're bad at it. Now you're good at it. <laughs> that was, I don't, that's not theologically correct. There's got to be a commentary that says it better than that. And I, I want to finish with this, this last concept, and, and it's been taught already this week, more than once, I think. But we know that God causes, help me, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and call according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son and whom, so, so that he be the firstborn among brethren and whom he predestined, he called and whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he glorified. Uh, I want to read you another, one more verse. For we, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we would walk in him. I just want to make this last point. God causes all things to work together for good. Now, I don't know if you read it, have ever read it like this, but here's how I've read that for many years. God causes all good things to work together for good in my life. But in recent years, I notice that that's not in the translation. It ought to be, but it ain't. <laughs> and I started thinking about this during this whole season I just told you about. God causes all things, not all good things, all things, to work together for good. And how does he do that? Because whom he foreknew, he predestined. So God looked ahead, whom he foreknew, he predestined. He knew my future, and he worked out everything. The crappy things, the good things, the terrible things, the tragedies in my life, he worked them all out so that it works for my good. And in the end, that he gets glory. And I was thinking about my life, you know, you're, 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 you're going through trouble and you think about your life. This is kind of part, part of Bill's book, Encourage Yourself in the Lord. It's like, think about the testimonies in your life. And I was thinking about, you know, I get married and, uh, you know, I met Kathy when she was 12. We got engaged when she was 13. That tells you how dysfunctional the families we were. And uh, we see our grandkids when they're 13, 14, 15. We're like, oh no, that's a bad plan. <laughs> Can't even put their pajamas on by themselves. We were engaged. 
And, uh, and I, 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 you know, we get married. We had most people say all the time, like, our first year was so tough. Our first year was heaven. And it was so fun. And we had money. And we bought a house after one year, new house. And we just had this wonderful time. And then, and I don't know how this happened, but Kathy got pregnant. And then... <laughs> And uh, we had a baby, and the month before we had a baby, I had a nervous breakdown. And everything just came crashing in. Started out, I couldn't sleep, I had panic attacks, and then 10 panic attacks a day, and then 20, and then 30, and I was having them a half an hour apart, and I, I lost 30 pounds, I couldn't keep food in. I was still going to work every day, the, night, the afternoons and nights were terrible. I felt like I was losing my mind. And Kathy was trying to help me, and she was eight months pregnant. She lost weight till the eighth month because she was vomiting till the eighth month. And she's vomiting, and I'm having panic attacks, and it was just really hard. So we moved. We were living in the Bay Area. You probably know our story. We moved to a little town called Lewiston, which was just 900 people. Instead of getting better, I got worse. Demon, demons started visiting me and I got super demonized and I, it wasn't schizophrenia. I mean, that can happen to people, but like, I, you know, I would see demons and they would knock pictures off the wall and they'd turn lights on and off and the phone would ring and there'd be demonized people on the phone and Kathy was there when it all happened. Like, I, I wasn't crazy. It was happening. And I got so demonized and I finally got free. That's a story. You should read my book, Spirit Wars. I always say, if you have something really bad happen in your life, write a book about it, because it's better to be miserable and rich than it is to be miserable and poor. <laughs> At least you can go shopping. <laughs> but we moved to Lewiston, and then we moved from Lewiston, and, and uh, a year later, a year and a half later, we moved to Weirville. And we, we, when we were in Lewiston... We met this man named Bill Derryberry. He invited us to church. We went to this little Assembly of God, Pentecostal Assembly of God, Holy Roller, Holy Roller <laughs> Church with 40 people in it. And uh, I mean, when the spirit moved, we always knew it because Grandma Kale got up and she was like, and that, that was when we knew the spirit was moving. <laughs> it's a true story. I don't know if Ben's here, but Ben, ben would attest to this. And then uh, we were there for a year, and uh, they introduced our new pastors to us. Uh, a hippie pastor and his flower child wife became our pastor, Bill and Benny. <laughs> they became our pastor. And um, I, can, I, I, I can tell you Bill's first message. And I'm still having panic attacks, so I'm sitting in the back in this little church, 40 people, and I see this pastor, and the first time he spoke, I cried through the entire message. And I honestly said to Kathy, I have never heard anyone who has that kind of insight into God. And every week we came back, we came to everything. I think, I don't know if we had Wednesdays that time, that time we had Sunday nights, and, and we just came to everything. And I finally got healed and delivered. And Bill, uh, Bill was like, uh, he was like Moses. 
I, I, I would say to Kathy all the time, this guy's like freaking Moses. Like, he talks to God face to face or something, and he comes down from the mountain with this, like, where does he get this? He, just, he could read the Bible and not even comment. I'm like, oh, my God, I never saw that before. Where did he get that from? It's like, Jesus. Oh, yeah. And we became very good friends. I think for, you know, for the first 15 years, we were probably together four times, five times a week. Our families interacted all the time. We lived with them for six months. And I started thinking the other night, if I didn't have a nurse breakdown, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have moved to Lewiston. If we didn't move to Lewiston, we wouldn't have met Bill and Benny. If we didn't meet Bill and Benny, I would still be working on cars. If I was still working on cars, I wouldn't be here. If I didn't come here, I wouldn't have started school ministry. People probably would start with someone else, but it wouldn't have been me. And the students ask all the time, did you have a vision for this? <laughs> no, I didn't have a vision. I had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> what did you do to prepare for this? <laughs> I don't think you want my freaking journey. And I'm pointing out that God used the worst season in my life to get me to the palace of my promise. But, and you know, sometimes you show up, you're like, when someone asks you, you're like, well, what I did is study the word of God and, you know, I was faithful and I was, I was, you know, honest and noble and I prayed all the time and I fasted and that's how I got here. That isn't all I got here. I had a nervous breakdown. That's how I got here. And then my friend helped me. That's how I got bonded to him. Plus, he's kind of like Moses. <laughs> and then my friend asked me to come here. And when he asked me to come here, I thought he meant like, we're going to, because we were doing classes for him on Saturdays. So I thought, you know, we're going to, he's, he's like, I'm going to do a school ministry. I thought, oh, good. We're gonna, what night? He's like, no. Yeah. I came and told Kathy, Bill wants to start a school ministry. She goes, well, what night? I'm like, no, no. He wants us to leave our businesses and move. She's like, oh, honey. <laughs> that we built for 20 years. She's like, oh, honey, uh, have, you, have you prayed about this? I'm in love with a man. That's what I told her. She can tell you, honest to God. Came back from a retreat with him. He asked me while we're on our way home from, from Colorado for Marty's school that you were leading. And he asked me there, and I had stayed with him in a room for five days when he's laying at night. You know, we're sleeping. I got to tell you a story. So there's a toilet right here, right? There's a, there's a bed here, and there's a bed here. There, twin bed here, twin bed here. He's sleeping here. I sleep here. And to go to the bathroom at night, I had to pass him. And in the middle of the night, while he's asleep, he's sleeping, and he's like, Jesus, I love you. Well, he's asleep. I'm not sure I do that when I'm awake. By the fifth day, I am completely wrecked. So, we, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to, like, keep it down here so it doesn't pop out. I was going to be with you. I didn't want it to be weird, you know. It's like... So 
So when we get to San Francisco, and we're sitting there, you know, Bill's really quiet. You know, he really is really quiet. Usually when we're together, it's the opposite of Benny and I. Like, I do all the talking, and he just, uh-huh. Benny and I, we talk over the top of one another. <laughs> but he said, you know, I'd like you to come start a school, and we had a conversation, and I'm like, and, my, and in my mind, I'm like, okay. And my heart's like, tell him you're born to be with him. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing that right now. So I get home, you know, and Kathy and, and my kids just got married. They got married and they moved to Colorado. So we, we hadn't seen them for six months or something. So I get home and, you know, and I walk in the door. Kathy's like, you know, hi, baby. H- how's the kids? And I'm like, I was, I'm in love with a man. She thinks I mean Jesus. She's like, what's going on, honey? Sit down. It'll be okay. I'm in love with a man. And I'll tell her what happened. She keeps asking, how's the kids? They're good. <laughs> so she goes to morning. So she said, here, I have one. She, you know, this is, our, this is our life, right? You can probably figure out our personalities are a little opposite. <laughs> so she says, honey, the only thing I ask is that the Lord speaks to me the way he speaks to you. So we prayed. And she just happened to be going to Morningstar the very next week for a week. So she goes to Morningstar, and we prayed, Lord, speak to her the way you spoke to me. She gets to Morningstar. She's there for seven days, and every day we talk, probably twice a day. So the Lord spoke to you, no, 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 all the way up to the seventh day, I think. And the seventh day, Ray Hughes is speaking, teaching, and then he closes his Bible, and he goes, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. And he says, which Kathy thinks he says, is, there's some of you living in the mountains and you're going down to Bethel. You're going to Bethel. She falls on the floor. She's crying. Uh, Tracy Evans is there. They're both crying. And this older lady comes over, leans over to her and says, don't be surprised if what he said isn't what you heard. She buys the video, which in those days was VCR, and the cassette. She's on the phone. She's crying. She's telling me, Ray Hughes said, there's someone here. You're coming down from the mountains and you're going to Bethel. It's not on the tape anywhere. She got home. We ran both tapes. Not on either tape. And she goes, I swear, honey, that's what he said. I'm good. Confirmation. Another one for Chris. And then she said, oh. I remember this lady leaned over and said, don't be surprised if what what he said isn't what you heard. And I think six months later, we were here. Why did I tell you that story? Because you think that things are going wrong in your life, but I propose that sometimes things have to go wrong so that they can go right. Sometimes... What you think you got to solve plan? Like, I, I love to hear, listen to young people, and I don't tell them this anymore, but they're like, here's what we're going to do with our life. We just got married, and we're going to do this. We're going to go to school, and then we're going to make a lot of money, and then we're going to do this thing, and I'm going to have children. We're going to get ready for children. I'm like, okay. I have to really restrain myself. Like, we're going to get ready for children. They mean, you know, have some money and paint the room. That is not going to make you ready for children, but okay. <laughs> You're tying yourself to a boss who cries all the time. Hold on. And I just want to finish by saying this. Like, I think you're right where the Lord wants you. And I think you're like, Lord, here's the bird. And the Lord's like, this isn't your ministry. 
this is my ministry that you are a steward of, and you will be a steward of it until I freaking until I tell you of the wrong spirit. Until I tell you you're done with your race. You finished the fight. Well done. And I look at Paul's life and I think beaten, shipwrecked, dead, dead, beaten, shipwrecked, dead. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. And he said, I'm a steward of God's grace for you. And I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would have the kind of encounter that Jeremiah had, that Paul had, when God said, we've heard it several times this week, my grace is sufficient for you. I, I have this pain. It's your people. It's right here. It's in the neck. <laughs> it's like, it's good for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Lord, it's this thing. Like, I have this pain. It just won't go away. And the Lord's like, I know. I just have it fly back every time you ask for it to go away. I, I don't know if the Lord wants you comfortable as much as he wants you to be effective in the grace that he gave you for his people. I don't know that you have that much free will. I think that you, we all take comfort in, I could quit at any time. And then you try to quit and you realize, like, you're a prisoner. <laughs> Paul never wrote, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He wrote, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. You think you imprison me, but I could sing right now. These jail doors would fall off and I can get out. So I'm a prisoner of the Lord. You are not imprisoning me. I sing, Barnabas backs me up, doors open. I think it was Silas. Songs of deliverance. You don't have me, I have you. I just pray for grace as it's been now three times said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is actually perfected in your, in my weakness. And I release right now hope. Some of you, you just need hope. Like, I just need to know that this pain is onto a purpose. I can handle this pain, but it needs to be onto a purpose. And I pray right now for purpose. I pray for you to have a vision of why you have this pain. Or you understand what I mean? Like, yes, I work out every day and I get up in the morning and I'm sore. I, I'm not concerned because I understand why this pain is here. It's making me strong. It's increasing my capacity. Da, da, da. You get the idea. I pray for the Lord to give your pain, your challenge, your fight, a purpose in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would be so gracious to my friends to speak to them the way you spoke to me the last couple months. That you made it clear, this is my ministry, you are stewarding. Lord, as Banning spoke, clarity gives us confidence. I just need to know that you're in it. I need to know you want me in it. Lord, I pray that you would release clarity in the storm. I don't even know, we don't even have to know where we're going. We just have to know 
that we know that you're in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.